You are listening to a sermon from the Mulvane Church of Christ in Mulvane, Kansas. Subscribe in your favorite podcatching app or find and listen to any sermon online at mulvanechurch.com slash sermons. Psalm 73, a psalm ultimately about contentment. But before the author gets there, he goes through a lot of discontent. As we uh, just sang, uh, about uh, half the text or so, maybe a little more, of this psalm, uh, we saw the trouble uh, as Asaph, uh, it's said to be the author of this psalm, as Asaph looked and saw those who were wicked, they didn't know pain, they had their strength, they didn't have troubles like other people. They were proud. They paraded their words and their arrogance around the whole of the earth. And he said, if that's the way it's going to be, I've kept my hands in innocence um, really without cause. I should have just pitched in with them. They seem to be living better than me. He'll come back to contentment in God thankfully, before the psalm is over. But it takes quite the detour through discontent. And, you know, we we talk about this uh, mortal coil, this uh, time uh, on earth, a time of trouble and travail. And we either quote or paraphrase any number of scriptures while we do such things. And we note that in the psalms, we have those darker expressions of uh, dissatisfaction with the life we have now, uh, dissatisfaction with seeing the world as it is currently constructed and who's in charge of it and who is, uh, uh, has influence and who has wealth and who has power and who doesn't. And so I, I find it interesting, the view of the Psalms often about these things Versus the view of our hymnals about these things. Our hymnals are uh, just almost unnaturally optimistic. Now some of that's aspirational. We want those things. And and they're often uh, uh, thoughts based on some of the scripture. But if that's all the scripture we have, the only view we have of our situation before God uh, in the state of man, we're going to have kind of, you know, uh, a thin gruel to get us through a a dark and cold night. Uh, Cotton candy is lovely on a warm afternoon. It's not real good to keep you through a cold and shivering night, is it? And so uh, this last week when I was down at the uh, uh, special meeting and and, and speaking, on Thursday night, uh, there was a singing. It should be Friday night. Friday night before, there was a singing. And uh, I was given a, a hymn. We had a really good like professional quality song leader there, plus some other brethren as well who led singing. And we had some really good singing, but I led one of the psalms that we we're going to make consideration of. And so the song that I led with the congregation was Psalm 130, which begins, Out of the depths to thee I cried. And then the next brother who got up and led a song, uh, led the song that begins, Blue skies and rainbows and sunbeams from heaven. And uh, th- those are very different views of the world. I think both are appropriate in their place. 
But if we think it's all blue skies and rainbows and sunbeams from heaven and green grass and flowers that are blooming in the spring, what do we do on the dark and cold winter night? Uh, what do we do in the day uh, of being in the pit? And, and so we've been studying the Psalms and this summer, I think we'll get back to John in a couple of weeks. I think we're going to do two more Psalms after this one. Uh, we're going to do one that, after Psalm 73 here. We'll do one that's quite cheerful. And we're also going to do one that's quite not. And we'll see uh, both, uh, both ends of, of things in the scripture. What we find with Asaph, and we find with a number of other psalms, is we find really uh, raw at times. Uh, open, honest, but raw uh, conversations uh, between the faithful and with the Lord. And at times, like Asaph will in the middle of this psalm, the, the, the majority of the time in this psalm, he'll be in the right place to start, he'll be in the right place to end. But in the middle of this psalm, he's pretty discontent. He has a, a complaint against the Lord, which is pretty serious. And he says, it was troubling and vexing. And over this question, I nearly fell. Now, I think the Psalms are there, and God had these Psalms inspired, recorded. He had his people sing them, so that we may know when we have those dark nights of the soul like that, that we are not alone. And Asaph, I think, it comes off here in this Psalm at times, very frustrated with God, at times angry with God. And I think that's true of us sometimes, that we're frustrated with God, aren't we? I am from time to time. I'm sometimes angry with God, and, and if, if you haven't been or, or are not, so hopefully right now you're not. Um, but we know people who are angry with God uh, over how things have gone. And we think about things like the 44th Psalm, where the faithful say to God, wake up and come help us. And it takes a certain amount of faith, and it takes a real confidence that God is true and real and actually there to tell him to wake up. This, this is what you tell somebody that you have a relationship with and you're disappointed in their upholding of their end of the bargain. And that is how God's people at times, and it's certainly expressed on a semi-regular basis at least, in the Psalms. Because trusting in the goodness of God, knowing the reality of God, knowing the power of God, we ask, why is it this way then? Now, sometimes our anger to God is just absolutely entirely misplaced. I think about the time that David was angry at God. Okay, I have to specify because there's several of those. But, but the time that, God, that, that David was angry with God when Uzzah was killed. Right? Uzzah, the great example we use of Bible authority, of not taking profane, uh, profane uh, in a profane way, holy things. Right? He's the one who reached up to touch the ark. And his name doesn't live in infamy, in Israel, like, you know, today, how, I, know, I, mean, I know a lot of Abijahs and Elijahs and, and Calebs and Daniel. I don't know too many Uzzas running around, right? It's one of the Bible names we don't pick for our boys. Why? Because he's a man was killed. But David, at the time that the event happened, David named the place it happened in memory of Uzzah. I think of all the people who ever got instantly struck dead in the Bible by God, I think he's the only one who ever has a memorial name put on the place. David was so angry with God that he, in, in, in the first instance of that, I think David sided with Uzzah. 
he named the place for Uzzah. Well, I think David learned better. And the next time they moved the ark, some months later, David moved it with Levites carrying it on poles, as the law of Moses said. But David, I think, was shocked that God did that. David was frustrated and angry with what God did. I think there are times when we uh, honestly are frustrated and angry with what God has done or not done. And the Psalms deal with that. And today is one of those Psalms with somebody dealing with that. Now, this kind of anger and frustration and disappointment that uh, we uh, and the faithful uh, then and now and in between have felt uh, with God's action or inaction is because, again, we believe in him that he's real and that we take him at his word that he is the good things that he says. And we're frustrated that what we see in the world doesn't seem to, to line up with our vision of how that should work. And so that's why these complaints, and they, they really are complaints, we might even use stronger words about some of them, that's why these complaints are things of faith. That is why I think God had Asaph's complaints shared with everybody for the rest of time. Because uh, if it weren't for this psalm, how many of us would know Asaph? I mean, his name does come up in Chronicles a little bit, uh, but we pay no, we wouldn't pay much mind. But because of this, which God uh, had him record and sing as a song to teach the people, we know. And so uh, I don't think it is too much for us to say that faithful people have had complaint with God, but we'll see in Asaph, he works it out. And in basically every psalm, where there is a complaint, there is some working of it, working it out, of, of, of coming to some uh, conclusion to take with us. Um, uh, when we start things like, again, like Psalm 130, out of the depths to thee I cry. By the end of the psalm, we're not still in the depths, are we? We've moved to someplace else. With the exception of one, there is one psalm where it starts in the depths and it ends in the depths. Um, uh, but uh, these, are, these are real things, and this is not, again... Uh, sort of the uh, vacation Bible school, uh, uh, elementary class Sunday school a view of God and the world that we sometimes get. Now, we need those, just teaching us the basics and teaching us the good things. But we also need to move to more mature understanding as well. And this is one of the ways and places that we do that. So Psalm 73, a psalm of Asaph. Uh, Asaph is mentioned a number of times, as I mentioned, but aside from the, uh, this psalm, we probably wouldn't pay that much attention. Uh, he was, uh, we were told, a, a seer, so an equivalent word for prophet. That's in 1 Chronicles 15, that uh, uh, he was a um, leader of those who uh, worshipped in the tabernacle, excuse me, the, uh, the temple as they appointed it, the permanent performers there those who were uh, skilled in the singing and with instruments of harps, lyres, cymbals, etc. So Asaph was one of the skilled musicians. He was the leader. Uh, he was a priest uh, who was a leader of the Levites who did that kind of worship. He's mentioned again in the 16th chapter as well with that he and his relatives uh, were the ones who gave thanks uh, to the Lord. And uh, they did that uh, on a daily basis, First Chronicles 16, verse 7, and verse 37. Uh, the prophets uh, who served in the, uh, who were priests, 
who, who served in, in that, that ministry of song, uh, are later called the sons of Asaph. That's uh, 1 Chronicles 25. And so it might be that um, uh, they are direct descendants of Asaph. That's why they're sons of Asaph. Or it might be that they're that school of, of, uh, of uh, 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 professional musicians that became known as the sons of Asaph, that group of people. And so there's this group of temple singers uh, who are uh, the sons uh, of, of Asaph, and they are mentioned uh, both in the time of David, and then there are uh, people of Asaph uh, mentioned all the way to uh, the captivity of, of Judah. So uh, this, this, uh, he, this man and, and those that he led and taught, uh, they were there in uh, a long time in the temple. All right, so we start then. We'll, whoops. we'll just put that all up there. The three parts. The misery of discontent, which this man, a priest of God and a worshiper of God in his temple, somebody whose job it was to be in the temple day by day, uh, that he had some uh, distorted thinking and it just caused him absolute misery. And then uh, he got a correction of that distortion and ultimately, he finds contentment. And so I think that might be a story arc that applies to a lot of folks. There's misery and discontent. There's a life in, in sinful action and, and sinful thought. Then there is a correction by the grace of God and the instruction that comes from him. And then ultimately finding contentment. That's how we'd like for the story arc to go. We, we'd hate to be in contentment and then move to discontentment, right? But we want to be moving toward contentment and satisfaction in the things of God. So we start with the conclusion from the outset. Um, is, is Asaph tells us, yes, this is where we're going to end up, but then he's going to tell us how he got there. He tells us from the outset, verses 1 and 2, that God is good. Truly, God is good to Israel, to those who are pure at heart. But as for me, my feet almost stumbled, my steps nearly slipped. He so... He almost fell away. Why? I was envious of the arrogant when I saw the prosperity of the wicked. For they have no pangs in their death. Their bodies are fat and sleek. They are not in trouble as others are. They are not stricken like the rest of mankind. And because it's so easy for them, life has been so easy, uh, like the guy, you know, the old line that you know, uh, he was born on third base, thought he hit a triple. Uh, these people are very satisfied with themselves because life is going well. Therefore, pride is their necklace. Violence covers them as a garment. Their eyes swell out through fatness. Their hearts overflow with folly. They scoff and speak with malice. Loftily, they threaten oppression. They set their mouth against the heavens. Their tongue stretched through the earth. Therefore, his people turn back to them and find no fault with them. So these guys are so successful that the people of God are thinking, well, these guys are successful in this kind of life. Let's live that kind of life. I don't see anything wrong with what they're doing. Say the people of God even. These guys say, how does God know? Is there knowledge of the most high? <laughs> doesn't seem like your God cares. So uh, who's, if he doesn't find fault with me, who are you? Behold, they are wicked. 
They're always at ease. They increase in riches. All in vain, I have kept my heart clean. I've washed my hands in innocence. For all day long, I've been stricken. I've rebuked every morning. And if I said, I speak, if I will speak thus, I would have betrayed a generation of your children. So these people, they say, there's no God. I can do what I want. They have ease. They have wealth. They get everything they do that's wrong. They seem to get more fame and riches and attention. And he's like, why was I trying to be pure? I think about, uh, you know, some of the, the travails of, of young godly women these days. Uh, everybody tells them that they know from church, be modest, be uh, in your dress, be modest in your behavior, don't put yourself forward. And then as soon as they turn on the Instagram, what, what's there? Every kind of a modesty, shamelessness, uh, uh, you know, uh, uh, outrageous behavior. And the people engaged in that, how, how are they living? Well, they're showing this outrageousness from Cabo, right? <laughs> There's these beautiful pictures of sunrises and sunsets in the Caribbean. And everything in it, every picture of it, every little video, you could just you know, count the things that are immoral or sinful or, or decadent. Or, uh, the way these people treat others is pitiful. And do they ever have any comeuppance for it? Is there any, seem to be any consequence? And so the young lady said, well, why don't I just live that way? And then the young guys, they turn on the same things of social media or uh, the streaming services or television or whatever. And what kind of young men are presented to them? Well, just hooligans, outrageous people, people who are disrespectful, people who don't seem to have a job, people who, uh, though, uh, have uh, large trucks and, uh, you know, a cooler in the back with plenty of beer in it. And, and everywhere they're going, it's all just a fun and game. And just watch their Instagram, you can see that it is, right? And people go, why don't I just live that way then? So Asaph is having that 21st century problem back here, uh, five centuries before Christ. The problem is always the same in the world and living righteously. Where's the reward in living righteously? What, what do you mean study, work hard, be humble, be respectful, go to church? What, what's, in the, what's, what's in that? Why don't I just go live it up like the rest of these? But Asaph said, if I would have said that, I would have betrayed a generation of the people. Verse 16, now the distortion gets corrected. But when I thought how to understand this, it seemed to me a wearisome task. Is the paraphrase we just sang. It greatly troubled me. Until I went to the sanctuary of God. There I discerned their end. Truly thou hast set them in slippery places. You make them fall to ruin. How they are destroyed in a moment, swept away by terrors. Like a dream when one awakes, O Lord, when you rouse, you'll despise them as phantoms. It's like some other translations say you'll despise their form or you'll despise them as fantasies. It's like these people are a bad dream. And when God wakes up, this bad dream is going on over here that's presented as the ultimate life. And it's tempting righteous people to join them. God's just going to sweep that away like a bad dream. Asa said, I was embittered about this. When my heart or when my soul was embittered, I was pricked in the heart. I was brutish and ignorant. I was like a beast towards you. I was like a beast. Um, in Psalm 32, there's a line there that says, don't be like the, the horse or the mule that uh, needs to, uh, the owner has to hold the, the, the lead or it won't wander away, right? You think about the sheep. 
uh, the sheep stays near the shepherd, right? But what about a horse or a mule? Untrained one particularly. You got you to stake those things down, man. You got to hold on to them or they're out of here. Well, that's, Apes just said, that's what I was like. Not like one of God's sheep, but like, like an ignorant animal. This is how bad it was for me, how distorted my thinking was. But what cured it? In the temple, I contemplated their end. I saw how these people would actually and really end up. These people don't just fade off in the sunset living gloriously. These people all come to terrible ends. And if, if you don't believe that, I don't generally recommend this, but every so often you just check in uh, on the, some, the people that used to be famous and the people who used to uh, hold popular imagination and just you know, look up their Wikipedia page and see where they are now. And, and where are these people who 10, 15, 20 years ago were the famous ones and, and, and the, uh, the, the, the in crowd and the it crowd, where are they now? It's almost never better. It's almost never good, right? Every now and again, there's one of these people that retired uh, you know, out, of the, out of the limelight to, uh, to some ranch you know, in New Mexico or to some small town someplace off, off the beaten track and, and lived a normal life and it seems to be a happy and content person. But most of these people that are presented as these influencers or these, these stars of the moment, uh, the ones that are in the, the, the covers of, uh, do we still have magazines or all digital now? Anyway, the, the ones who get the glossy Photoshop pictures of them everywhere, well, however form that comes. Where are they later, right? And the ones that used to be here, where are they now? They're in a, they're in a slippery place. Now, Asaph said, I nearly slipped, right? That was the beginning. I nearly slipped. But he said, yeah, these guys will slip. So, nevertheless, I'm with you. So this is the cure. This is the end of it. This is the security. Nevertheless, I am continually with you. You hold my right hand. So why didn't he slip and fall? Why didn't he bust his head? He was holding on to the hand of God, and God was holding on to his hand. Sometimes, why is it, we think, man, why did that not destroy me? <laughs> Boy, that was bad. I can't believe I got through that. Why, why didn't I come out worse? Oh, you were holding my right hand. Right? A child walks through uh, places, and you think about how many times as a parent, you know, picking them up, <laughs> guiding them, moving them, uh, keeping them out of trouble. How many times is God doing that to us? If we hold his hand, and we see it says, you hold mine. You guide me with your counsel, and afterwards you receive me to glory. Whom have I in heaven but you? And there is nothing on earth I desire besides you. All right, well, see, before he was desiring all kinds of things, wasn't he? He was desiring all that wealth and fame and ease uh, uh, that those ungodly people had. And when he desired that, he got off in a bad way. But when he desired what God gave him, he desired what God was blessing him with, then he did well. My, heart, my flesh and my heart may fail. Well, it, for all of us, it's going to happen, right? Just ask your doc. Um, it's going to happen. Or just ask grandma or grandpa. That's got, flesh and, flesh and, and uh, uh, heart will fail, verse 26. But God is the strength of my heart and my portion forever. For behold, those who are far from you shall perish. And you put an end to everyone who's unfaithful. But for me, it is good to be near God. I have made the Lord God my refuge, that I may tell of all your works. So now he's come back to a place of contentment. He desires what God gives him, right? 
And God gives us the, the, the good things and the right things he's promised. He gives those abundantly. But what we want is the things he hasn't promised to give. Wealth, power, ease, etc. And we, we might find some of that in life and we might not. But we'll never find enough to be satisfied in it. Because it all is vanity, Solomon would uh, just later say, not long after Asaph. So all is vanity. But the things of God in them is satisfaction and contentment when viewed as a blessing of God and God's provision. So with that then, you know, we can say uh, honestly and truthfully, the most famous psalm, the Lord is my shepherd. I'll not want. Well, if he isn't your shepherd, you're going to want all kinds of things. You're going to not be provided. You're not going to be satisfied with what the shepherd gives if you want something to lead you that's not a shepherd. But if you really want God as your shepherd, you're content with what he gives you and how he guides you as a shepherd, you'll have the full provision. He makes me lie down in green pastures. He leads me beside still waters. He restores my soul. He leads me in paths of righteousness for his name's sake. Even though I walk through the valley of the shadow of death, I'll fear no evil for you're with me. Your rod and thy staff, they comfort me. And so here's the power of God working on our side, right? The rod and staff of God, these uh, symbols of the shepherd, uh, actually in the ancient world, uh, the rod and the staff were also symbols of uh, civil power. Uh, you look at those old uh, 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 sarcophagi uh, of, of the uh, pharaohs, and what are they holding? They're holding a staff, uh, and they're holding a rod. Uh, you know, if you're, an, if, if you're a child of, of God in uh, Egypt, uh, the Pharaoh having a staff and a rod, that's not a comfort. That's the worst thing possible, right? Because what are they doing with it? But our shepherd has one of those too, and his, his powerful tools are used for our purposes. They're used to help us. The rod and the staff of God, they comfort us. Uh, but if you get crossways with the shepherd, what can the rod and staff be? Uh, instruments that he uses... Uh, as discipline, uh, uh, and then ungodly use them as instruments of oppression. But because we're trusting in God and comfortable with and satisfied with what he gives, it's, it's, it's comforting and we're, we can be content. Again, he gives us every reason to be that you prepare a table before me in the presence of my enemies. You anoint my head with oil, my cup overflows. Surely goodness and mercy will follow me all the days of my life. I'll dwell in the house of the Lord forever. It's not that I'll always see and appreciate that goodness and mercy. It says they'll follow me. They're never going to be far away. There will be days today when you don't feel or see that goodness to the degree maybe you might oughta, but they're following along. They're coming with, with the flock. And so the shepherd with the flock, with the goodness is there. Asa said, I, I nearly fell out of the flock here, guys. I looked at this world and I looked at all these people who are not part of the flock of God, not submissive to God, and I saw how well they appear to be doing, and I wanted some of that. And it nearly destroyed him. And that is a thing that has not changed in the uh, you know, two and a half centuries since Asaph wrote this. Wanting the things of the world will cause you to be dissatisfied, discontent, and it will destroy you unless you bring your thoughts, your desires unless you bring your mind back to God. And so Asa shares with us this very, this very frank, open, raw conversation. And the Psalms have a lot of that. And there's times where we might have uh, shared thoughts with Asa or shared thoughts with some of the others. 
Look at those psalms and read them and see what helped bring them back and trust ultimately and always in God. All right, so that's our lesson. Surely God is good to Israel, says Asaph, to those who are pure in heart. Yeah, he nearly stumbled, but God had his right hand. He didn't. Take hold of God's right hand. Trust in God. Be pure in heart. Seek his favor and his grace. With that, we conclude. Ask if you need to come to the invitation today. Uh, You need to answer Christ's call to come to him. Do we need to come back to God through Jesus Christ? Confessing him, being baptized, immersed in him, or confessing sin to return? If you need to come, we offer the invitations. We stand and sing. Thank you for listening to this sermon from the Mulvane Church of Christ. Additional sermons and information available at mulvanechurch.com. Come see what a difference the Bible way makes.